0: Hi, I'm Natalie Calzadilla, and this is the Pachanga and Possibility Podcast. I created this podcast to empower you with knowledge about all forms of alternative healing, personal development, and mysticism. I want you to celebrate your wins and create a life of possibility. You, my friend, are a light worker, a wayshower, and you will inspire others to do the same. So grab your cafecito and a notebook. Let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of Pachanga and Possibility. I know it has been a while since my last episode, but it has been difficult these past few months between the baby getting a cold and then I got a cold and then I still have episodes of strong postpartum depression and there was a mistake, not a mistake, I accidentally skipped one of my pills, uh, I I only take, um, iron and an antidepressant and I accidentally skipped a day. Y'all don't skip a day. (laughs) I don't know if this is the case with all pills, but if anybody is on veniflaxin, veniflax, I can't even say it. Something like veniflaxin. Do not miss a dose for the love of God because In only 24 hours, you will be in total dark night of the soul meltdown mode. And it's happened to me twice. The first time is because my prescription, I couldn't get it renewed fast enough and I had no choice. And then this time I just skipped by mistake. I forgot to take it and it was, it was ugly, man. It was ugly. So that is my public service announcement for today. The baby's asleep. I don't know how much time I have, hopefully, I can record this in uh, one straight shot, but if not, I might have to piece it together. We'll see how long she naps for. So what I'm talking about today is sharing my journey as an artist and how my healing journey was a crucial part to accepting myself as an artist and calling myself an artist and then now coming out of the artist closet per se and... Really owning it as part of my rebranding and having the courage to call myself an illustrator. It has been a wild journey, and I'm going to share with you all of the times and reasons why I self sabotaged myself all the way back till right when I got out of high school. And you're also going to see kind of how my ADD plays a role in the choices i made and and you'll just see how it unfolds but i've never really shared who i am as an artist and my background how important healing is because you might have an inner artist that you have suppressed that might need to come out there might be a piece of you if you're a creator a maker of any sort and you're just a very creative soul on the inside and you are not making space for that creativity to come out, it will eat you alive. Like you will, It's almost like you will go rotten on the inside. You need to have a creative outlet because those who are creators, makers of any kind, designers, if there's no creative outlet and you're not living that and making space for it in your life, you will just unravel in a way that is not healthy. It's this insatiable desire to create constantly. And even when you're exhausted, when you have an opportunity to be creative, you will gather the energy and strength from who knows where and it just, you come alive. And if that's you, then definitely stick around for this episode because I'm going to share how it all played out in my life and especially how low self-worth and low self-esteem and self-judgment Played a role in all of this, and you might think that they're not connected, but they are. I just heard Amara make a noise. Hopefully, she was just making noises while she's sleeping. So, it all began. <laughs> I was very creative in middle school, is when it was really starting to come out. I was taking art classes, I joined, I did a billboard competition for the Met, Miami Metro Zoo, and I one of my design had. Won a contest, uh, for my middle school class. Not that it became a real life billboard, unfortunately. But there was whatever contest it was. I hardly remember. I won that, and I remember it was a dinosaur, and I drew it, and it was really cool. I wish I had it still. And I was really into drawing humans, so I would just try to sketch people. And I remember I made a sketch of George Michael from a poster of George Michael that I had on the wall haha jokes on me. (laughs) then, Then I went into high school and quickly fell in love with graphic design and desktop publishing. And desktop publishing is kind of what you used to call graphic designers back in the day or illustrators. I don't, there was, you don't hear the word desktop publishing anymore, but essentially you would design like stationery and business cards and magazine layouts of that nature, and not necessarily like graphic logos. So that was kind of the world of desktop publishing. And I was in both programs, desktop publishing and graphic design. And I graduated high school with a graphic design certificate, which I was very proud of because I got out of high school with a certificate and the fact that I had a really bad GPA because I was not a good student and I was not studious and I skipped school all the time and I had a 2.4 GPA out of a class of a thousand students because I went to one of the largest high schools at the time in southeastern United States. We had about—I don't even remember how many students. I know just my graduating class was 900 and something. So imagine there was four other classes. So anyways, I was proud of that certificate because God knows my GPA was not helping me get in or do anything else, right? I went on to do remedial math and English in community college. Not cute. I did that for a year because I was behind. I was never paying attention in school. I slept through most of my most of my classes or I skipped. And the only classes I paid attention in were art or dance, or graphic design, or desktop publishing. Everything else I was not interested in. So I'm in community college. I finally get out of the remedial stuff because I had scored really bad in the placement test at the community college, and I did the remedial math and English. I caught up, and then I moved to Palm Beach, and I went to community college there, and I decided, I remember having this conversation with my parents, and I said, Look, I don't like school. You know that. I know that. So I'm going to try to do whatever I can do in the least amount of time. And that is an associate in science degree because it was only two years. That's what they would call a technical degree. And my technical degree is going to be in graphic design. And that's it. I get joined the workforce and I'm done and I don't have to do a school thing. Well, obviously, that is not what happened. But I went, I started the program, the associate in science program. Palm Beach Community College, and I was enjoying it. I got a job at the college also, was enjoying working on campus as well. And then there was this one class, and I believe this class was the typography class. And the assignment was you had to design a greeting card. And I felt like I was one of the better students in the class. And I did my assignment and I did fine. But there was this other kid who did amazing that I was like, wow, he did such a great job on his greeting card that I told my teacher I quit. I said, if there's somebody that good, then there's no place for me in this class. And I don't know where this mentality of like, if I, if I wasn't the best, then I didn't want to be a part of it, which was bizarre. I don't know. I don't know where I haven't really sat with that whole experience much, but I felt like there wasn't room for me and there would be, it was this feeling of like, if there's people out there that are this good, then there's no space for me. Then how can I even compete, right? So we're getting into the low self-esteem and the low self-worth and and not seeing value in what I make, even though at the same time, I knew that I was one of the best students in my class, but second for me was not going to work and I quit the program. So I went on to change majors and I moved into web design for a little bit. And then life took me to, I was at a different college and then life again took me to now a different college. I was now at a university. So I finally had graduated with my associate in arts to transfer to a university and I transferred to FIU, and I was just taking random classes, trying to catch up on core curriculum stuff. Even though I had an AA, I was missing some stuff because the AS didn't transfer all these things. And I was just kind of hanging around. I really wanted to do the design programs like interior design or architecture, graphic design. I didn't, I didn't even think they had graphic design back then. But anything that was creative, artistic, I couldn't get into because all the courses were during the day and I was working full time at the university by then. I had started to create a career in higher education administration without really knowing at the time. And I was working full time and I enjoyed making the money. And school, I would go to school at night. Sometimes if it was a short class, a 50 minute class, I can do it during my lunch. And I was bummed because there was no design programs nothing artistic that I can do at night and that kind of sucked for me and I was just kind of trying to figure it out so I in this process I realized that I just like to take random classes that I find interesting and I was floating around and at the time being an undecided major was okay now it's like practically illegal to do that and I had a gazillion credits and all of these things but I had Started to place my anchor in interior design. And I left to, oh, in this process, now that I'm talking, I realized that I had started to plant a seed even in community college, starting to take architecture, like foundational architecture classes, because I was starting to like interior design. And I transferred to FIU, trying to do this. And then at the time the person I was dating was an architecture major, and him and I moved to Tennessee. And at the University of Tennessee, I applied for their interior design program. And the University of Tennessee is a pretty prestigious school. And I applied to UT's interior design program. And I got in and I had to submit a portfolio. And I remember that I loved my portfolio. I was so proud of it. I go to UT. I do the tour. I get admitted into the program. And I sabotaged myself. I switched to majors. And all of a sudden, I was like, I'm going to do business. Why in God's name would I do that to myself? I have no idea, like, what the. I don't remember, like, a specific moment. This is in 2004 ish, five ish. I changed majors. I was admitted into the program. I had already done the hardest part. Why in God's name would I have changed majors? All I remember is feeling scared and intimidated. And I changed and I started taking business courses, which made no sense. So I'll break up with. My first fiance, that architecture major, I moved back down to Miami. We're back working at FIU. I'm back in the university at FIU and I'm trying to figure out what to do with all these random credits. I have a gazillion credits and I decide that a liberal arts bachelor's degree is the place where I can kind of dump all these random things for and it'll be recognized. And then I had to choose two minors and I chose a minor in religious studies and a minor in fine arts. And my minor in fine arts was in ceramics. I had never done ceramics before in my life, but I took a couple classes and I loved it. And it was enough credits for me to get a minor in fine arts. And the funny thing is looking back that I took it, imagine like look at who I am now. I'm all art and spirituality. And back then, before I even knew that this was going to be who I was going to be. I don't know how this was going to manifest. It was already starting to come together. Right. And I was into spirituality and that's when I was introduced into the law of attraction and my myths, rituals, and mysticism course. Shout out to Dr. Baker, one of my favorite teachers who just blew my mind open with spirituality and shamanism. And so began the path, my spiritual path. And simultaneously, I was still trying to figure out this art thing. And I remember working at the university and walking outside during lunch and being so unhappy, being stuck in an office doing administrative work that I was not into, that I wasn't creating and just telling people like, I wish I can be Martha Stewart when I grow up. That was what I would tell people. I was already super grown up because we're talking, I was probably 26 by now. And I felt really behind because I hadn't graduated with my bachelor's degree. I was on the party plan because in the middle of all of this journey, I fell in love with salsa dancing, specifically salsa casino dancing, which is the Cuban style of salsa dancing. And I had what I call salsa fever. So throughout this whole journey, I had salsa fever outside of the, the Tennessee experience. And I lived to dance. Like I just worked and then worked to dance. It was constant. But by now I was winding down, and I start now playing out my low self worth and low self esteem, and this whole big feeling of not like this belief that I'm unlovable. And now all of these wounds that I've had, all these inner children that were wounded, are now starting to show up more and more. And instead of focusing on my career, on my passions, I'm now consumed by codependency and I become addicted to relationships and I'm looking for my value and self-worth in, in dating and men. It was just constant. I would just be from one relationship to another, to another, to another. And the drama that would be involved in that was what consumed me. Because if I wasn't excited about somebody new, then I was like destroyed by whatever just ended. And it was this really self-destructive, repetitive pattern for many years. So here's where me suppressing who I really am and what I really love starts playing out. And the artist and that dreamer inside of me and that insatiable desire to create and who I really was is now being stuffed away by, you know, society things You can't live as an artist being designer the dream. My prime time, like where I could have gone to this art and design school that was really expensive, that window passed already. Now I'm independent. I have to support myself. I'm working full-time. Like loud adulting is kicking in. And I can't be this unicorn just deciding to drop everything and start some art program somewhere with no with no money. Like none of that is possible. And on top of that, all these wounds that I've had accumulated through my life are now playing out. And the artist is no longer a thing. So by the time I'm in my thirties, I'm pretty broken. I feel like I'm totally again that message of like I'm unlovable, and. I didn't know that it was a low self-worth and low self-esteem. I didn't know. I just felt like the biggest thing was like, what is wrong with me? None of these relationships work. I wasn't drawing. I wasn't creating. Once in a while, I would crochet something and maybe crochet some little beanies and sell a few and maybe do... A little craft project that I can do in an evening. I would play with some jewelry design, but nothing hardcore, nothing committed because in the process, even though I was starving for love, I was also emotionally unavailable and afraid of commitment because I didn't want to be abandoned and disappointed. So it was not a good mix, y'all. As you can see, it was not a good mix. Oh my god. So in my 30s is really when that relationship that I talk about in my very first episode of this podcast finally blows up and I'm sick and tired and I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I start my healing journey by going to therapy and I start diving deeper into spirituality and I start doing quote unquote the work. And then the time, the months and the years are passing and I'm still doing the adulting thing, working in the university, just sitting with all of my shit and just turning every rock over and trying to deal with every wounded aspect of myself every inner child that needs love that needs to be heard just trying to reconcile relationships with my inner relationships with my parents and with past relationships just all of this stuff like if you know if you've done this work you know what I'm talking about if you haven't and you've thought about it I'm not going to lie to you it's hard it's super hard but you have to walk through the fire to come out the other side like phoenix and resurrected and simultaneously i'm now in to my late 30s no partner no family everyone's around me settled down has kids all this stuff and i'm like living by myself Oh, throw into this mix that i finally said yes to myself and quit my job for a couple years and went to phoenix to go live and be spiritual what i thought was going to be like the spiritual mecca by living close to sedona and this very what's considered you know the west coast feels very like hippie-ish and 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 woke like they say i hate that word and to go find myself when i quit my job and i got a job at GoDaddy and i'm trying to just live this free spirit life and i had a blast but i fell on my face <laughs> Not what you would call a successful, like relocating and reinventing of myself from a very worldly space. Like, spiritually, it was everything I wanted. I did have a few shortfalls because I did feel like I had a better, bigger spiritual community here in South Florida, even though we're not known for being spiritual at all. We're usually known for being. Stupid. <laughs> I mean, hello. Like Florida's the laughing stock of the United States, but there's actually a really big spiritual community with very amazing teachers here. Now, super disappointed about the spiritual community out there. I felt like I was more for looks than than the real deal. Anyhow, so in this healing process, then while I'm in Phoenix. I had done enough work, I guess, where I wasn't consumed by the madness anymore. And that's the thing. Like this is the, what I'm always trying to preach. Like if there's healing that needs to take place, you're going to be consumed by all of these thoughts and limiting beliefs that don't serve you. And you're if you have anxiety, like I do, you're going to be ruminating about all this thing, and you're taking up all this bandwidth. Right? It's just like imagine it's a computer, and you have all these apps, and you have all these apps that you don't need, but it's bogging down. The speed of the computer because you have all these freaking tabs and shit open. And when you start doing the work and reconciling all of these emotions and feelings and wounds and inner children and beliefs and traumas and all this stuff, now all these apps start closing and now you have more processing power. And when you have this extra processing power, now you have more space in your heart and in your mind to create to dream to think of a better life for yourself to do creative projects to just this world of possibility right and I remember I was really sick in Phoenix I and mean, I had a cold but it was I had a fever really high fever and all of a sudden oh you hear the baby <laughs> I'm gonna have to pause here because she's up all right, I'm gonna put a bookmark right here. We're right gonna park it and let me say hello to Amara and let's see when the next nap is. All right I'll be right back. All right I am back. Amara did not go back to sleep and she skipped her second nap so it is now many hours later and she is asleep for the night and I have to find out where I was and get my momentum back. But hey, this is how you podcast with a baby. (laughs) So here we are. So I was thinking in the shower before I hopped back on. And I was starting to tell the story about when I broke this fever in Phoenix and what happened after that. But before I tell that story, because it is one of those pivotal moments of awakening and opening up of energy i wanted to share really quick that when i started my spiritual journey in miami i was getting into meditation and spirituality and shamanic journey and all this yummy stuff and i was invited to this mandala healing class which was part of a mandala healing certification process that i have not completed. That is by the woman, Liz, Lily Mazarek. She's on episode number three, I believe. And she tells us about how mandalas helped her healing journey with breast cancer and helped her integrate the difficult emotions she was going through when she was going through her healing process. I don't remember if it was chemo, or radiation or if it was both, but they were crucial to the point that she developed this her own mandala healing system, which is very different than just coloring a pretty a pretty mandala that you see in a coloring book. She has her own organic way of creating mandalas, both very methodical and in fact her training's pretty long and and in depth. I took this class. I didn't even know what a mandala was, but I just knew it was some sort of spiritual art class. And I was like, all right, I'm there. I'm super down. I don't know what this is, but I'm there. And I go and I figured out that the mandalas are these beautiful circular shapes that we see often in the stained glass windows of churches and you see them in sacred geometry and a lot of spiritual artwork and even the chakras are sometimes depicted as certain mandalas. The gist of the mandala thing, there's something very mystical to them and Carl Jung, the psychologist, used them with his patients and he realized that when his patients would draw mandalas that they would heal very differently in a much better way than a typical patient that wasn't doing it. And there's something about these mandalas that create this, like deliver this message of wholeness to your unconscious. And there's also a part of mandalas that I still feel are mystical, that we just don't really understand what it is and why they're so powerful and healing. So I became addicted to coloring mandalas because I just, I fell in love with them and the idea and I learned a little bit about their history and... I'd have to go back and look at my notes honestly to to get into all of the stuff with mandalas but in a nutshell I just really loved them and I bought all these coloring books and I was having mandala coloring parties at my house where I just invite friends over on a Friday Saturday night and I would set the mood by lighting candles burning sage I do a quick little guided meditation to help identify your intentions for your mandala and I pretty much Just set a right, pick an intention for this mandala, something that you want to heal or an issue you want to get clarity on and write it on the back and then start coloring and just enjoy the coloring process. And I would light incense and put meditation music and it was just a really nice like spa, spiritual spa type vibe while we're doing the coloring. And If we were amongst friends, you know, there wasn't that much chit chat because everyone was really into it. And it was funny. Sometimes we had, there were guys, because it's it's not common to see guys, you know, adult men coloring. And I remember my friend, he came over and he was like drinking a beer <laughs> and coloring. And he's super macho. <laughs> he's just doing this. And I'm just like, oh my God, this whole scene is hilarious. And even one of those nights, my friend's brother was one of the contestants on American Idol. And This is before he went to American Idol. He was actually playing the acoustic guitar in my living room, singing to us this awesome, like chill reggae vibe. And we're all just coloring together and, you know, men and women and chatting and setting intentions. And it was something so simple to facilitate. You know, it's like, here, let me just set up a cool vibe and come on over and let's just do this and see what happens. And it was great. You know, I still have the mandala that I colored, setting the intention to move to Arizona. I was on a mission and I wanted to move to Arizona and I colored this mandala and I called it my move to Arizona. I did it. And then I framed it when I was in Arizona and I hung it in my spiritual room. And then after that, I brought it back and it's still in one of my folders. I just... so much memory so it was really nice to start opening up like art and spirituality that way that's how it started to begin to begin like being woven back into my life and I have all these great memories with all these friends coloring which is fantastic because we're talking about you know I'm in my mid-30s I think at this point or early 30s and we're coloring together. And and I would just love, especially when the guys would finish, they'd be like, can we color another one? And I I want to do like show and tell. So I'm like, all right, you know, let's go around the room and, and share what your experience was coloring these mandalas. And what insights you gained and anything else you want to share. Oh my God, the men's sharings were always, you know, they come in all closed off. And then they're like, and then this color means this, and it means that, and then I felt this, and then that, and it it was like they were kids again, and they were sharing all this magic in their mandala, and I was just, my heart would explode every time that would happen. I just loved hearing like all of the sharing from coloring for two to four hours, because usually I would set, you know, my intention was like, all right, we're going to just chill and color for a couple hours, but then they wanted to color a second one, or we're just hanging out, having a good time. So. That was the beginning of the creativity really starting to come out. But I uh, this didn't mean that I was an artist. This just was bringing art back into my very left-brained life at the moment. So fast forward to Arizona. Now I'm living there. I got in that really bad cold. I had a really bad fever. I, think I had broken this fever that I had that was like at 104. And all of a sudden, I have this impulse to just YouTube. How to draw mandalas from scratch because I didn't want to color a mandala. I wanted to draw, create these beautiful mandala images. I had no idea how they did it, how they got these things drawn by hand and so perfectly. So I find one video, it's 17 minutes long. I watch it and they show you how to draw it and how to set up the paper. And I needed a protractor and I was like, oh, that's how they get it all perfect. And to set up like the little template underneath with your pencil very lightly, and that's where what keeps it in that perfectly like geometric form. And then I grabbed my inked pens, they're spe- special inked pens that you use specifically for that type of art. And if it's ink, you can't erase, right? But I wanted to give myself this challenge of not allowing myself to fall into the perfectionist being a Virgo, I am my worst enemy when it comes to the perfectionist side of me because it really sabotages a lot of, I don't want to say my dreams, it's a little too dramatic, but it keeps me from starting things sometimes. And I said, I'm not going to do this with a pencil because I'm going to get in my head and I'm going to be wanting to erase the imperfect—you know, the imperfections The lines that are crooked and not matching, because you have to repeat the same design over and over again for it to be that repetitive pattern around the circle. So I'm just gonna let it be what it's gonna be, and consciously knowing that I'm working on not being the perfectionist and letting go. And lo and behold, I was drawing these mandalas, and they look pretty good. And I was totally amazed, and I was like, wow. And this was the first time I had really let myself do art, art, you know, like just my boyfriend laughs every time I like repeat something. He's like, when did words lose their value that they have to be repeated in order to have emphasis now? (laughs) So that's when I started doing art again. And I let something, I did art, something artistic. I let myself draw for the sake of drawing and just kind of let go. And it was amazing. And I was drawing these mandalas from scratch freehand with these inked pens and things were just coming out and flowing and looking good and the reason why I stood out so much for me maybe if you see my art now you're like oh I can't believe that that would be an issue like why would that be a big deal but growing up liking to draw I always envied the artists that could draw amazing things straight out of their imaginations versus what i felt i was good at which was just copying something else so if i wanted to draw a cup in front of me or copy a cartoon whatever i felt like i can copy really well but i felt like i did not have the talent to draw straight from my imagination and i would envy the kids in my classes in my art classes that can do that. So I felt very much like this second class, like artist, like I'm not a real artist because I can't do this from my imagination. So the fact that I was drawing these patterns and lines from my imagination and it was coming together nicely just really shocked me. Then I start playing with the idea of, all right, these mandalas are... Like these living, breathing, magical things. And I started infusing them and like doing Reiki over them and praying over them to just bring them almost like activating the mandalas energy. Then I had requests for me to draw mandalas for other people. And I did a few mandalas. I said, all right, what is your intention? What do you want this mandala? to kind of help you with energetically. And I would do like this little 30 minute consult. Then I would draw the mandala, color the mandala, and then go in and do Reiki work over it and shamanic work over it and really infuse it with a lot of love and spiritual energy and intention. And then that would be the final product. And they would have this unique one of a kind mandala that's been blessed and reikied and everything in between and that they can focus on and put it over their altar and continue to receive that energy and I created a mandala meditation to go with the pieces of art and I started doing art there. It was the beginning of being an artist again. And it was wild to me. It really was. It was really wild. And I was very grateful. I moved back to Florida and I'm unemployed. I have nothing to do. I had a small sketchbook and I finally let myself let go a little bit more. So I said, all right, now I'm not drawing within the confines of this geometric pattern that I draw underneath with very lightly with a pencil and a protractor to make these perfect mandalas. I'm ditching all of that. I'm just going to let myself doodle because my personality doesn't let me waste time. This whole Western society, you know, people who are super productive or glorified and even if it's to the detriment of your health and just sitting around doing nothing, you feel that guilt of being unproductive and Everything I do had to, you know, serve a purpose and have some sort of result. And I couldn't just like do nothing for the sake of nothing. I had a really hard time, especially back then, just winding down. And I would never take time to just draw and doodle for me. I was like, oh, who has time to do that? Like, that's a waste of time. I'm going to sit here and doodle. I wasn't trying to be an artist, and, you know, for the sake of practicing something. And I'm just not going to sit here for 30 minutes and doodle in a notebook. For no reason, like that's how that's how intense I was about it. But now I was unemployed, and I'm like, right, the hell with it. (laughs) Clearly, I have nothing better to do. I've already applied to every job under the sun, and I need time to kill. And it's a nice morning, and I always love to do pretty much everything in the morning. Not that I want to call myself a super morning person, but the energy for me is most productive when i wake up in the morning i just have this freshness and i love to meditate and drink my coffee and do any work or strategic thinking or creativity it's just i love this the energy of the morning it's just very magical and the sunshine i'm a very much a sunshine day person i'm not a night person at all so i let myself so on those beautiful mornings i sit down with my cup of coffee in the dining room of my mom's house because I'm staying with her I had just moved back from Arizona and I'm trying to get situated again back in Miami and I'm staying with her and I'm sitting on this glass dining table and I get out my pens and I start to doodle and I let go further and I did the same thing no pencil just the pen whatever comes out comes out and if you don't like it deal with it or make something else out of it push yourself to make it work. These really cute doodles started coming together. I was posting them on Facebook because back then I wasn't that much on Instagram. I was, but not as much as I am now. Then we're talking 2016, 2017-ish. And I let myself doodle. And I'm posting these online and now people are like, I want to color them. And I'm like, oh, uh, I don't know how to publish a coloring book, but sure. And I start I know I started with the intention of not making them be a thing, but then they still became a thing anyways. (laughs) And I started drawing a bunch of them. And then I created kind of a coloring book, like maybe 20 designs or 12, or I don't remember. And I would go to Kinko's and photocopy them on nice cardstock paper. And they would be the size of half a sheet of regular notebook paper. And I would cut them up and put them in these cute cellophane envelopes and wrap them with a little teal ribbon, of course, and sell them, you know, with my cash app and deliver these little coloring sets that were very boutique and and cute and different, right? And so that was another step towards being an artist. You know, I allowed myself to let go again and some more magic happened. So I'm still dealing with getting situated in Miami and trying to figure my way through the world again since things didn't work out for me in Phoenix. I'm getting more comfortable with the idea of being an artist, but I still would have never dared at that time to call myself an artist. I still felt like I did not deserve that title. I hadn't earned it. I wasn't a fine artist by trade by any, you know, by any way. And so I was Still this person's like, Oh yeah, I can I'm a little creative and I can draw a little bit, and that's kind of where I left it. And still working through my through my stuff, right? Through my baggage, my emotional stuff, still working with my therapist. At that point, I was working with also business coaches and trying to launch my spiritual business coaching business. I mean spiritual coaching business. I wasn't doing business coaching at the time. So the next big moment. As we're gonna fast forward to, I got this job at FIU. I'm back at the university for a third time. <laughs> it's a great place to work, and if, you know I'm gonna. I can hear my coworkers say now and then, "Why did you complain all the time?" It's a great place to work, but <laughs> I was not living my truth. So there were many days I was unhappy, but that's because my soul was very much longing to do something completely different, but working at the university itself is a very good place to work at and working in higher education is very just a very pleasant nice career because you don't have the whole like corporate mentality but then you have to deal with academics and that's a whole other <laughs> it's a whole other interesting experience anyhow i'm working and i'm now an instructional designer designing online courses and i had this friend And she tells me, Hey, I've seen your art. You should draw on an iPad. Did you know that you can get a discount at the university tech store and they will do payroll deduction? And you can have an iPad like immediately and draw on it. And you can even sell your art and put your art on Society Six, which is a print on demand website, and put your art on all these different products. And you have like, this online store of products that you don't have to fulfill and they, and they feature your artwork. And I was just like, what, (laughs) this sounds amazing. And I went and I played with the iPad and I was like, Oh my God, I totally want this. And the Apple pencil had just come out and I was hearing about this app that people draw with on the iPad. And I was like, Oh my God, am I going to do this? I had come back from Phoenix with all this debt I couldn't fathom wasting another $1,000 on a toy, but I did it because they would do payroll deduction and no interest. And I just said the hell with it. And that's kind of where my impulsivity, my ADD impulsivity works out for me. (laughs) So I did what she said and I got on there and I started YouTubing, like how to draw cute characters I literally wrote the word cute because I love, I always love cartoons and I was always a fan of things like My Little Pony and Hello Kitty, that type of cutesy art. I YouTubed how to draw cute characters and I discovered this one artist and she said, if you want to learn more, come on over to my courses. My, I teach courses over on Skillshare.com, which is a membership site that it's kind of like the Lynda.com, but for creatives, it was fantastic. And I took a few of her classes, and lo and behold, my cartoon characters were born. And I really, the crazy thing is that a lot of what I had learned in middle school, in high school, in college, all of those drawing and drafting classes were still somewhere, like all those things I learned were still somewhere in my unconscious. And I was able to bring it out with taking these little mini courses on Skillshare And now I'm drawing all these cute, magical little unicorn animal characters, and people are really loving them on Instagram. And I put them on Society6, and I'm starting to sell products, and I'm just like, oh my God, this is really happening. Like, I'm doing the art thing. The big deal about the iPad is that it was a huge game changer for me because that same idea of, I don't have time to draw. I don't want to waste my time. Like the idea of sitting there and sketching something. And if it comes out messed up that I have to erase and draw and erase and draw, I'm like, no, no, no. And then I'm a Virgo. So I'm like, I don't want all this eraser shit all over my table. (laughs) And yeah, I know. And so... It just, it it never worked out for me. So here I have this iPad and all I have is this beautiful undo button, okay? The undo button is everything. (laughs) I can draw and hit undo, draw and hit undo, draw. and And that was perfect because it allowed me to play as much as I wanted and to mess up as a million times. And all I had to do was just hit undo And I can start all over again. And there's even these little tricks where some brushes, all the brushes, you can set them to draw smoother than what your hands can actually draw. So let's say you draw a regular line and it's kind of shaky. If you turn on this feature on that brush, it'll draw like a really smooth line and not come out shaky at all. So you can do these really big, wavy lines and or straight lines and they come out perfect. And you're kind of a little bit of like cheating. And oh my God, it was the answer to my dreams that I didn't even know I had. And it was the game changer totally to this day because it allowed, it was a perfect vehicle for my creativity to come out, for me to practice, for me to not feel like I'm wasting time. To, it was just amazing that was my very like that's where i feel like things really really shifting because now i can see like there's a demand for these products for these characters i was even approached by somebody to invest in my business and and then the characters and really start a brand around the characters kind of like hello kitty but that fell through because i had a did not have a good feeling about about it and i ended up being right so I'm very always follow your intuition. Another reason why I'm a huge advocate of developing your intuition. And I didn't follow the money or anything. And I was just like, this does not feel right. And I don't know, this is not sitting well in my body whatsoever. I turned it down and that's it. And still in this process, still dating, still in therapy, still working on my shit. And I decide to publish a coloring book because. I had all these unicorn characters I drew and I had the version of them that are not colored in, that are just the line work. And I'm like, now I've drawn so many characters that I can turn this into a coloring book. And I had watched this class on Skillshare that caught my attention. It was called how to self-publish on Amazon. So I watched the class. It was super easy. And I said, perfect. I'm going to take what I learned in this self-publishing class I took on Skillshare I'm gonna turn this into a coloring book, and I just want to do it for the experience. If I sell them great, if I don't, whatever, but at least I can say I, I published a coloring book. They did great. And my entire war market bought coloring books, and they were even distributed to children one Christmas in the local children's hospital. and they were being used in yoga classes. and it was just really nice and satisfying. And I was just proud of myself. So I do the coloring book and then fast forward to the next major breakthrough. And this one was one of those things where I had, I did not have an idea. Somebody gave me an idea to turn one of my characters into a real life product. So I had drawn this unicorn espresso maker, like those Italian espresso makers that are on the stovetop. If you're a Cuban or they're Latin, you'll know them as a cafeteria or a Cuban cafeteria. And she told me to make it a unicorn and I drew it into a unicorn and people loved it. And then actually she inspired, one of my friends inspired me to draw, draw it into a unicorn. And then somebody else said, oh my God, can I buy this in real life? So they had planted the seed and I was like, what? How am I going to turn this idea into something in real life? And I was yet in another relationship that blew up in my face really bad. I took all that anger and sadness that I had and I drove to Michael's and I was like, the hell with this. Today is the day I'm giving birth to this project. And I don't know how in the world I'm going to turn a regular cafetera into a unicorn, but today's the day I'm going to figure it out. And I went to Michael's. I Bought polymer clay, and I unscrewed the lids, and I, I watched tutorials on how to make polymer clay unicorn horns, and I did it, and I baked it, and I asked my dad for help on like how to screw and glue these things onto the cafetera in a way that'll last, because he was um, a mechanical engineer, machinist, and so he was great at all these things. I drew the little face by hand. I painted by hand the little cute, like, kawaii face on the side of the cafetera. And now these little kawaii faces and the horn. And now the cafetera is officially a unicorn cafetera. I start posting on Instagram and gets picked up. I think I tagged them maybe. Café La, was it Café La Llave. Yeah, it wasn't Bustelo. It was La Llave. And... This coffee brand decides to do a giveaway with my cafeteras and they give me brand exposure and I sell a bunch of cafeteras but I couldn't even keep up. And at that point, if I really been if I really wanted to be fully invested, I should have gone to production in China and mass produced them. But I was very afraid of that process and going to a foreign country and getting into the idea of manufacturing and it kinda sucked like the fun out of it because I like the creative part and I just didn't want to get into this whole manufacturing process. I just didn't. Maybe if I was in a different situation, didn't have a nine to five and had maybe a partner that could have dealt with the boring stuff, but it did really good for a while. And they were being sold in the local metaphysical stores and, they did well until I burnt out, and I said, "I don't want to make another data again. I am done rolling polymer clay and turning these things into unicorn horns." But I, the point is, is that there was another experience where I took. This wasn't a very positive experience. I took a negative experience, and I and I used that instead of going home. And not that I'm saying that I didn't. Many days I was in bed crying, but one of those moments, it was like, I'm not going to let this tear me down today. And I'm going to use this energy and convert it into something, into this creative energy. And I gave birth to this idea and it came out amazing. So I'm really proud of that project and how far it went. So that's an example of how to use like certain energies and transmute them for something good. So then by now I'm like, all right, people are starting to get to know me for creative stuff for being really creative. Mind you, I'm still feeling super weird about being called an artist. I'm not owning it. I'm still showing up in the world as a spiritual coach and energy healer. I'm not showing up in the world as the title of an artist, although I wanted to be. And it was very much every year I do an active power ceremony, and I always wanted to. I always added the artist thing in there before it was even a thing. So then, to make a long story short, Things just kept moving forward. Little by little, there was a mandala coloring book that I published. Then I got into fluid painting. And the fluid painting was yet another layer of stripping away and letting go of control. Because if you look up fluid painting, you have zero control. You're throwing a bunch of colors of paint in a cup that have been diluted with a special medium. And you're flipping that cup on a canvas, picking it up, and then just making the canvas dance and moving the paint all around until it covers your whole canvas. And what you see is what you get. It was super messy. Again, also trying to combat Virgo tendencies that wouldn't allow me to have fun because I didn't want to be messy. And I let myself get dirty. And I remember that it felt so freeing. And that's when I really felt like, I remember I felt really happy when I would look down And my clothes were full of all of this colorful paint and my favorite colors, obviously, which are usually like pastel colors. And I was full of all these different colors of paint. And I was like, this is amazing. I feel like an artist. I'm dirty, full of paint. I just made these magical pieces of fluid painting work. And I'm also... Introduce, using my shamanic work over them and drumming over the paints to, in order to create more air bubbles, though, which would create more designs into the paint, uh, the paint itself into the piece of art. And I was, and again, infusing energy and praying and putting Reiki over them and setting intentions. And I was now people are asking me for these custom fluid paintings because I decided if I decided I think it came to me in a meditation because I don't think I would have strategically thought this out ever. I believe in one of my meditations I, my guides were like, "Oh gosh. I have to I have to weave in a, a a side story to this. So, let me finish this one thought when she was connecting to my guides and to the guides of others, to channel like the colors for the painting of somebody. And then that painting would have the colors and energy that that person needs at the time, because there's also things like color therapy. Right before, so what I had just remembered right before I started fluid painting, I had lost one of my shamanic mentors, one of my shaman teachers. That death was it was the first time I had really experienced the death of a close friend and mentor, but also someone who was a leader in the community and a wild, wild child, very spiritual rebel energy. And she was just like the epitome of like, no, no fucks given and showing up in her, all of her, in all of her ways and oozing creativity and she was just an amazing soul like one of these souls that you will never forget that left an imprint and an impact on the lives of so many people in the community and she passed and I was so devastated and it was crazy because it wasn't like I was super tight with her I had many friends who were really really close to her I would say I was an acquaintance and that I cared for her and she cared for me, but it wasn't somebody that I would necessarily chill with one-on-one. I just never unfolded that way, but it was somebody that I would go to all her events, and the sacred circles and, and um, council meetings were always at her magical place, the Shaman Lounge. She was an amazing artist, and one of these nights in my place, I was upset and crying and calling her spirit in and meditation to kind of connect with her and see how she was doing. And she came up very strongly and she says, you have to paint. And I was like, Denise, I don't paint. I've never painted. I've drawn, I've sketched. Uh, I've done this digital illustration thing. I've crocheted. I've done all these other mediums, but I've never painted. What do you mean? She's like, you have to paint, just paint. And I'm like, okay. Okay. And I just was like, I don't know what this means. And then shortly after that, I found out about the fluid painting craze and tried it. And my first fluid painting was over these hand drums because I started doing hand drumming. I became a health rhythms practitioner by Remo and was facilitating these healing drum circles. And I wanted to have a drum painted in this fluid style. And so I did it. And I fell in love with the process and I just kept painting and painting and painting. And that's when it became this thing. And now I was having friends buy paintings and ask me to channel paintings for them. You can still find my paintings in Collie Square in three of the cottages. You'll find the fluid paintings that I did for the owner. Other paintings I did for other clients and it was just like great and I was like wow I'm doing the spirituality thing and the art thing all together and this feels amazing and here's another another teaching point is you're not going to know if you really like something or if it's for you until you do it a lot of people are like oh I don't know or they think it's a thing or they don't know it's a thing and they just kind of stay in that paralysis by analysis Just throw yourself in and do it. And the only way you're going to find out is if by doing it. And I was fluid painting, which I really love to do. And then when I started doing it by commission, I ended up not liking it. And this is like a very, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? Maybe it'll come to me. The point is, is that I was painting with a lot of colors I don't like. (laughs) And I'm like, I don't want to paint with colors I don't like. Like, that's just how picky I'm gonna be like this is who I am and I don't want to freaking it's like painting your house in color you don't like and you have to look at it every day I'm like I don't like these colors I am not a red orange person or greens like forest greens like these are not my colors I don't want to see them I don't want... not that I hate these colors but I'm like I if I'm going through all this mess and mission you know, I love that I'm helping people, but I was just like over it. I wanted to make fluid paintings for me and the colors that I wanted. And I didn't want to do the commission thing because that was, even though they were coming out good, it just wasn't, I missed, I missed the ones that I was like really proud of and the ones that made me feel good because they were all in my favorite colors. Yes, probably. I'm a diva. If you haven't gathered that by now, slightly, I have diva moments, <laughs> but that's where what happens with that. I'm gonna tie this in later because this whole like you're not gonna know if you really want to do it or if this is your thing until you try it, and to just go ahead and go all in and try it. That's gonna come up again, and because that was one of the last one of the last big aha moments that I had again. So the, the fluid painting things paused because I got knocked up, and the pandemic started, and now fast forward to my baby is almost a year and a half and I haven't fluid painted I don't know if I've fluid. oh my god I did fluid painting of these wooden heart plaques oh those I love I'm going to do those again I for the they have been sitting in my garage ready for me to pour paint on them for two years now it's still gonna happen but yeah so I put all that because it's a mess and I don't have a time to pick up a mess I hardly have time to wash the dishes I had to choose between doing this podcast and shaving my legs like these are decisions I never thought I'd have to make being a mom and those of you who are moms are probably laughing at me just saying I'm sure you're like yeah wait there's probably there's even more (laughs) moments like those but yeah I hate that's so I can't I don't have the liberty of just making this ginormous mess that's why the whole digital painting thing works out so well because I don't have to make a mess I can take my ipad anywhere all I have is one pencil that does everything in this magical app and I can throw it on any product without having to cut paste and make any mess anything so fast forward to now I am a stay-at-home mom And I have the luxury of working on my business whenever I can, because my daughter is diabetic, type one diabetes, and she now has her childcare is more demanding. So now I really have to stay home. That idea of kindergarten, daycare, preschool, elementary, I don't think it's going to happen. I think I'm going to have to homeschool her because this is a really dangerous disease and I can't fathom handing over the responsibility to somebody else to manage her diabetes, especially when she's really tiny. So until she's really a lot older, I don't think I'll be comfortable with her being on her own in a school, but we'll see. We'll see how this goes anyhow. So now when I can work on something I was really dead set on doing the spiritual coaching, the business coaching, I was designing websites, kind of doing some freelance work and trying to figure out, you know, how I want to show up in the world and in what business and what capacity for many years I've been showing up as a spiritual coach and healer, but really mostly facilitating events and not necessarily taking on one-on-one clients. I struggled a lot with showing up in a very left brain way and showing up in a very woo-woo way because I'm very analytical and left-brained, but then I'm also very spiritual and artistic, and I can be super out there with some of the things that I've experienced In My spiritual practice and a lot of mystical experiences that I can't explain that have been very life-changing for me and it's hard for me to really to reconcile those mystical experiences with my very analytical side of myself and then to really show up publicly with both is a very hard pill for me to swallow. If you want to see how hard and how big that pill can be, check out the light language episode. <laughs> that was probably the epitome of like, oh my God, I've officially come out of the woo-woo closet. Not that I was doing light language by any means. <laughs> Let me put that out there. But just like the type of of stuff that can come up. And there was another episode um, with out-of-body experiences of Nancy Nancy Trivelato, which is another a uh, really good woo woo one. There's not many woo woo ones if you listen to to all of the episodes. But anyways, so I had been really struggling with like, do I want to be super woo woo and go all, in, go all in and do readings? Because I really love doing readings, also. But I have always had like very low psychic self esteem because of this fear of hurting someone's feelings if if I give a bad reading and. I'm sure there's like past life. In fact, I've been told many times that I have a lot of past life issues around being an intuitive because I wasn't intuitive in so many lives, but sometimes it cost me my life. So there's a lot of like, yeah, a lot of trauma around it, which makes sense. I just kept flip-flopping back and forth and showing up as a reader and as a healer and as a coach and nothing would, I felt super stuck. And then finally I had taken yet another Psychic development course, and I really wanted to do mediumship because I feel, especially after all the loss I've experienced since 2019, I really wanted to do mediumship work because I feel that it's something very beautiful that can help other people, that can help others just mourn and grieve. And if they can, you know, have an experience with a medium that can help. That feeling of grief lighten a little bit, and know that their loved ones are still with them and have validation. Like, what an amazing gift! And so, I was really hell bent on on doing the mediumship and doing the psychic work. I said, "All right." And I had been wanting to rebrand myself because after I had the baby, I felt like who I was was no longer me, and how I was showing up, and the old branding of the Natalie, Natalie One Love and all the versions that all the different things Natalie love had been. I was just like, I need a clean slate. I just, this isn't vibing with me. I was still under the impression I was going to do go all in as doing the spiritual work and readings, not art. I was still like, all right, I'm going all in as a reader, healer, coach, person. And I was like, all right, I'm giving away all of these readings for free in exchange for a testimonial so I can... Add them to my new website, and then I'll start offering these services when I feel I'm ready. I start doing all these readings, and I was, and after I was like, "Uh-uh, I don't want to do this. All this time, all these years that I was like, I want to do this, I want to be this, I want to do this," and, and I was like, owning it showed up as it. I did the thing, and I was like, "Ugh." No wonder I struggled so much. It felt like me trying to stick a square peg in a round hole. This shit's never been for me. It's not shit. I still love it. But this was never going to be my thing. And that's why it was never flowing for me the way I wanted it to flow. Certain things did and certain things didn't. And it was just, I always had trouble with bringing the whole story together. And I didn't understand why. It was because I was really going against my intuition. And I thought it was me chickening out about something, but it just wasn't. It was just never for me, and it was not jiving, and I was forcing it. And then I did the thing, and I owned it, and I was like, oh, no, no, no. This is a hard no. Okay. And then I started listening to the book, The Dangerous Old Woman by Dr. Pincola Estes, Clarissa Pinkola Estes, who was the author of The Women Who Run With Wolves. And in The Dangerous Old Woman, you just have to read it. I've talked about it in previous episodes. She said something that just lit me up and talked about, you know, creating art and being ourselves and having this gift and sharing your gift with the world also brings healing to others and just something clicked. I don't remember the exact line because it was a really long audiobook. I was in a state of like ecstasy in that entire audiobook. It was ridiculous. And in one of those moments, I was like, it's the art. It's always been the art. And I'm ready now. And I want to go all in and see how far I can go as an artist and i finally felt worthy of calling myself an artist after all of these different projects that i've accomplished and i finally arrived to this to this place of i think it all had to do with even the rebirthing of myself after having my child and finally unraveling tons of stuff from my past and making creating more bandwidth to dream up an amazing life and it just clicked And let me tell you, when I was just like, when I made that decision and I said, okay, I'm an artist. This is me. Yeah, I'm still a mystic and I'm still, the spirituality is who I am no matter what I do. The spirituality is me, but what I do, and still the art is me too, but what I'm going to do, it's the art thing. And I don't know how this is going to be and what within the art thing is it going to be. I have no idea. Am I going to just keep drawing, doing the illustrations? Am I going to take up another medium? Am I going to do a million more mediums and just keep knocking out all these random projects? Or am I going to lock it down and as a children's book illustrator? I have no idea. But I just finally said yes to my artist. I finally like I let her out. And this humongous feeling of expansion came over me and this like oh, yeah, it's always been me and it's always been this. And I don't regret anything I've done because I feel like I've always tried to do my best at figuring things out and trying things so I don't regret anything. but it was also like that that moment of like duh <laughs> of course. And there's many people that knew this before you. <laughs> and, but I fought it. And then I said, yes. And then I was like, oh my God. And then I had this freedom and I was like, okay, great. Now I'm going to go get tattoos, shave my head again. What else can I do? I'm gonna, like dress crazy again. Not that crazy because I'm so pretty simple when it comes to my attire. Eh, but I'm going to do my edgy haircut again, my undercut. And I'm going to go plan to get. My first tattoo, which I've always wanted to get a tattoo since I was a little kid. And many people can't believe I don't have a tattoo, but I really don't. I don't have anything hidden anywhere. And it was just like, wow. And I just was one of those things where, like, I can show up in the world looking however I want. And when somebody wants to judge me, I'm like, yeah, because I'm an artist. So I can look however the fuck I want. versus before if I had to show up as I don't know something other than an artist then I felt like I had to put on some sort of persona that wasn't me entirely even though I'm still pretty despite I have this very playful side of me I'm still pretty conservative underneath for some things yeah I'm still kind of a tired ass about some things but I would worry about things like that, like, oh, I think it was part of just working as a professional for so many years and not being allowed to show up with piercings and tattoos or weird colored haircuts without any judgment of who you are. And some of that was in my head and I don't think was actually playing out. And then I know it was actually playing out in some other instances, depended on where I was working, right? So now I was like, oh yeah, I can do whatever I want and be as colorful as I want and as wacky as I want and put on whatever. And and it was just like the sense of freedom of like, okay, now I have permission to finally be me because now I'm saying like I'm finally the artist. And here we are. I rebranded as an illustrator, as a mystic and illustrator and podcasted. My logo is a unicorn. What else? (laughs) Right? I feel super free now. And I don't know what this is gonna turn into because I opened my Etsy store and I'm selling my illustrations on prints and merchandise. And because I've always, one of those things was wanting to be an accessory designer. And now I get to draw my art and throw it on accessories. And I'm just putting it on things that I personally love. And I personally love wearing t shirts, wearing cool jackets, notebooks. I'm that weirdo that loves like office supply stores and smelling paper. So notebooks, stickers. And that's about it. Those are like my main favorite things. And I'm also a like a backpack person, but I haven't released any backpacks because I'm not I haven't felt the inspiration yet. Hey, eh, but I, I have a jeans. I'm a t-shirt and jeans person. I tend to dress pretty androgynous and slightly tomboyish, but with my makeup and makeup hair and nails done. But I love sneakers, boyfriend jeans, and cute t-shirts and wearing caps backwards and I just I have this very like since I was young I remember one of my friends in school would be like you dress so androgynous and I was in high school man I was like what the hell does that mean and then I learned and she was right until this day it's still the same thing but anyhow so yeah so this is where I'm at this is the story of how I suppressed my inner artist which was really my true self who I've always been and wanted to be since I was a kid and where she got lost along the way due to low self-esteem and feeling unlovable and emotional neglect and childhood and being turning into being emotionally unavailable and it manifesting through tons of codependent relationships and self-destructive behavior. And so all that crap came out and then it's smothered my creativity which was really smothering who I was and then I did the work and every time I did the work whether it was energy healing of some sort or spiritual healing or therapy it kept chipping away at all of these blocks that I had until finally things started opening up and I was no longer bogged down by all of this emotional baggage and now I had the bandwidth to dream a new life, to dream of possibility, to follow my creative impulses and interests and see where they went and to build new relationships and connect with other like-minded people and just things unraveled and unfolded and blossomed into this like amazing version of myself that I'm proud to be today. And it's not that I'm perfect, by any shape, way, or form. I am not standing here as a Virgo saying I'm perfect. Hell to the no. Oh, God only knows that I still have stuff I need to work through. Especially now as I enter this chapter in motherhood. And pretty much marriage at this point, And also caretaking over a child who has mm-hmm. a serious illness. So I have a whole other new layer of challenges and things I need to work through. But those stories of not being worthy enough or good enough to do something and chasing love and just things that are just nonsense um now <laughs> not back then it was very real are no longer a thing wow this episode's super long we're at like an hour and 20 minutes i thought this was really i really thought i'd tell this story in 20 minutes the joke is on me and on you now sorry <laughs> so one other quick point so if this whole episode did something for you and you're like oh my god this is me or I can relate or something spoke to you and there's just part of you that you want to explore like this creative side or maybe you were never creative but you know that you'd like to be some way of creative it can be doing improv it can be taking a violin class taking a tap dance class taking ballet whatever it is or taking painting it can be art it comes in so many forms and creativity it can even be taking a programming class you know it comes in so many different ways but if that feels very like far for you like wow I'm this now and I'd like to try that but that feels so far away and how can I like tap into this place that I want to explore more and me being again loving like structure and organization and some sort of method, like I love methods and processes, check out the book called The Artist Way. And that is a great way to really explore your relationship to creativity. And there's like little weekly, not weekly, but every chapter has like questions at the end for reflection that are amazing questions, like coming from a life coach that's seen a million questions. The questions in this book are excellent at digging deep around your relationship with your creativity and where things like may have gone astray. And there's also little assignments that they call a, your weekly artist date. And then there's morning pages and you might have heard of morning pages. This is where morning pages come from. It's from the book, the artist way by Julia Cameron Buy the book it's on Amazon. It's probably like 20 bucks. There's a 25th year edition of books been talked about so many leaders and visionaries and artists and authors that I've listened to their podcasts and interviews have always referenced how this book was pivotal on their journey. So this is not just any Mickey Mouse book. This is like one of the legendary books that you need to have in your library and go through it's 12 weeks, it's 12 chapters meant to be done in 12 weeks and there are groups usually on meetup where they're doing this book together you can do sure on facebook or you can get together with a couple friends and do and do it together i will be honest i didn't get past week 6 because i got pregnant and i haven't revisited it but I'm still a huge advocate of it because the first six weeks were amazing. And what it did for me was actually around music, my love and passion for music that I didn't realize that I had not pursued and taken seriously. And it opened up this whole, like the percussion side of me. And I started taking drumming classes again. This was all right. When I got pregnant, I was literally taking drum like regular drum lessons with this female drummer when I got pregnant. And I even went while I was pregnant to some classes until I had to move away to the next county over and I couldn't go anymore. But yeah, it brought to light that whole side of me that is also part of the inner artist, right? There's so many facets to art and music is such a huge one. And I feel like if you're a creative, you're going to be creative in so many different ways, not just one. If you're creative, that's going to translate into anything that you do. But anyhow... I have talked long enough. I just wanted to share that story in case anybody has an inner artist that has that's crying in the inside or wondering, hey, you know, maybe that can be me one day or I remember when I used to be an artist and now I grew up and that is no longer a thing. One thing I would do want to say to that is I got my MBA so I wouldn't be a starving artist. That was the original plan. Like I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and now I don't like the author anymore because he's a big Trump fan, but I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and I said, okay, I need to understand business in order to run a business and do well, and I am not going to be the starving artist, so I need to learn about business. That's what I did. I got my MBA, and I made no friends because I was the unicorn in the class, <laughs> I did not belong there, uh, I cried all through economics and statistics, but I passed, I actually did enjoy the program, but I didn't vibe with anybody because they were not my people, but I still got the MBA, and that, that's, you know, I'm super proud of myself for doing it, because coming from a person who only aspired to have a technical degree, the fact that I made it through An AA, a bachelor's degree, mind you, it was the 10-year plan. And then a graduate degree, never in a million years did I think I would ever have gone that far in my academics, ever. Hello, 2.4 GPA in high school, skipping all the time. (laughs) I was not a good student. I was not studious. So the fact that I graduated uh, with my bachelor's with honors and then went on to grad school like that's just mind-blowing and bang my parents never gave a shit if I did school they my mom just wanted me to get married and settle down and stay working as a secretary at the universe and pop out some kids like I never got pushed by my parents whatsoever for school it was just I fell into it I think working in the university environment for so long you kind of feel like a loser after a while if you don't have a degree, because everyone has a degree. You're totally surrounded by PhDs and and graduate degrees, and uh, it's just the norm. Everyone you work with has a graduate degree or PhD, and it was just like after a while, you're just like, yeah, I need to, I need to figure this out, and um, and I'm happy that I did. I'm really proud of myself just because I was never that person growing up. Okay, my friends, I will see you in the next episode. I don't know if the next episode is going to be another bonus episode. Season two is coming out the first week of January. And I've got lots of yummy episodes there. in the interviews are going to air every two weeks because, you know, how most of my podcast episodes are usually an hour to an hour and a half. So to let you get through the content in a timely manner and not fall behind based on some feedback that I got. I'm going to publish every two weeks. And when I have the time, I'll pop in and do my solo episodes. If there's time, I want to do that for sure, because I would love to do these weekly, but with the baby, everything's unpredictable. But what I have locked down for sure right now There are going to be eight episodes that have been already recorded, and they're ready to go live, and tons of amazing guests, and I'm just really excited for season two to come out. So if you haven't listened to all of season one, binge on that, because season two is dropping in January. Make sure to check out my Etsy store. It's my name, Natalie Calzadilla on Etsy. And in my Etsy store, you can find the podcast swag. So if you want to grab a podcast t-shirt, as you know, this podcast is free to you, but it is not free to produce. So if you want to support the podcast, to keep the episodes coming, buy a t-shirt. I'm also going to, I have some bomber jackets in the works. I have a really cute pastel retro unicorny bomber jacket and then another one that's more for the conservative gal that's all black and black and teal a little bit more toned down I love both and I'm really excited about those and I do want to publish also some podcast notebooks and I don't know tell me what you want and I'll hook you up and then there's lots of other stuff on there so anyhow my face hurts from talking my throat is dry and I am out of here all right y'all take care bye Thanks for listening. As you know, this content is free, but it isn't free to produce. To support the podcast, you can purchase a Pachanga Impossibility t-shirt at cutiecrewbrand.com. A portion of the proceeds go towards finding a cure for type 1 diabetes. If you love this episode, share it with a friend. Use the share feature to text it over to them right now. Also, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any new episodes. And last but not least, it'd be extra cool if you can rate the show and leave a written review wherever you listen. Thanks again for being here. I know how valuable your time is.